0: Good afternoon. That was a wonderful song. The first song was a wonderful song as well. It's good to see everybody here. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of things this morning, and I pray that they will encourage each one of us. Um, let's get this Bible situated where it works. Bill had a little routine, I know. Let's see if I could practice What our brother did here, I um, hope I can read from this distance. It's hard for me with these old eyes. I was telling somebody yesterday that you guys are fortunate. It was a younger guy. I said, I'm going, I went up the hill and now I'm coming down the hill. And he said, "Um, uh, what do you mean, basically? I said, well, it's a lot faster coming down. It's like I see the destiny now. I see heaven, but I'm flying down. But going up, you know, kind of casual. But uh, so my eyes are definitely going down as well. But we're going to go into Chronicles, Second Chronicles today. And I want us to kind of think about a couple things this morning. One of the things I want us to think about is, um, you know, recipes. There's all kinds of recipes. And some of us in here are really great cooks. There's some wonderful cooks in here. I know. My mom was a good cook. She put together some ingredients that were like tasty. And good cooks know that it's the it's it's the, the spices and the ingredients that make a difference. Also, it's a lot of love that goes into it. Um, but we're going to talk about the recipe. The Lord has a recipe. And I think I'm going to title this message God's recipe for the successful life. Amen. The world has a recipe. I was watching um, TV a while back and I was noticing they were talking about seven of the engineering wonders of the world, and they showed these seven just magnificent man made creations. They were magnificent. They were challenging. They were so difficult. They talked about the idea of what it took to actually produce something as magnificent as it was. But when you think about the world's magnificent creations, they're based on man's power. And if you talk to the creator, the architect, the engineer, he will say, I did this. I designed this. I did this. And you talk to the workers. Yeah, I did it. I'm I, i, I I'm skilled. I'm skilled. And, and this is what I did. And he looks at it and he says, wow, I'm proud of my creation because it's something that is a wonder. It's wonderful. And he looks at it and says, I'm proud of that. And but if you think about it, there's a lot of consistent words that go into the creation of man's greatest creation, which is I, 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 a lot of eyes, a lot of me's, me, me, yeah, me. Yeah, you, I did it. Look, look at me. I, I, I'm good. And then you'll hear the self, self, what self-esteem? Oh, I am self-confident. It's great to have self-esteem. Well, that's really the world's recipe. For success. If you want to be successful, then you want to have these ingredients. I, me, self, self, I, me, I, me, 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 me. God's recipe is really different. And I want you to think about three things today. It's going to be really easy for us today. And think about three letters. C. O. P. I thought about adding another zero in there, another O to come up with coop. (laughs) My name is Ron Cooper. And people call me Coop, but I couldn't think of another O. So it's cop. And praise God for cops. C-O-P. C. First word. Counsel. God's ingredients. God's recipe for successful life. One of the ingredients is counsel. God's counsel. councils of men and women of God. Second one. Obedience. Obedience. Second <laughs> ingredient of the recipe. The third is praise. C.O.P. Like I said, I wish I had another O in there, but so you could just think coop when you leave. But now when you leave, you just have to think cop. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you. We love you. We know that you are the only God, the only righteous God, the only real God And the God that we cling to this morning and we come to this morning and we beg and plead that you would speak your words to us today and that we would be given just a blessing and encouragement and give us direction so that we can come to know you or come closer to you this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. So a couple things, as I mentioned, and that first song was really good. Jenny's song was wonderful. But trusting Jesus, that is all. That is all. That's it. Final End of the question. End of the story. That's it. Trusting Jesus. That's it. It's over. Done. Final. We do that. Successful life. That's it. So when we read this, and I can't read it because it's a whole lot of reading, and I won't read everything and bore you, but I pray that each one of you, if you have read it before, that you would go back to it and read it again. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The whole chapter is a chapter on the recipe for a successful life. This is a man who was, who was in trouble. A man that was struggling. A man that had a little difficulty. And you know, I was at work today and I want to just share something with you. Is I've been dealing with issues that have been overwhelming. Overwhelming. And you know, the more I thought about it the more I realize that everybody in here is either dealing with it or going to be dealing with overwhelming, unbelievable difficulties or obstacles. I can just point you out. I talk about our pastor, and I say, okay, he had a torn retina. Oh, that's not a big thing. That's a little thing, a torn retina in your eye where they have to perform surgery. And what did they do? They went in, performed surgery, and they put a ball, a gas gas bubble in his eye. A gas bubble. Well, that's not that big of a deal. Well, if they put a gas bubble in your eye, I think I'd be saying, well, you know, I don't want the gas bubble. You know, give me another option. Let me sit somewhere and, you know, and just, you know, wait it out. But no, he went in the hospital. with him. And the doctor said, OK, we're going to put a gas bubble in his eye. And he has to. And what happens is the ball, the bubble goes in your eye and it actually it either goes down or it goes off to the side or up. I, that's my understanding. And wherever it lies, you have to sit in that position. So if it lied off to the right or the left, he would have to lay either this way or this way for five days, I think it was. You can't move. Or you have to walk like this. Can you imagine? Walk like this for five days because the bubble you had to, you had to sit. You had to do that. His, because God was with him, was at the bottom. So he had to actually have a brace, my understanding, or at the top. So he was at the top, so he had to sit up this way, and it went up. And he had to stay there. He couldn't do this, because it would throw the bubble off, or the gas bubble. So he had to sit this way. He had to put a brace around his neck. And he had to sleep this way, walk this way, and talk this way. He was a sight for his family. <laughs> right? Was, I mean, wasn't he a sight? It was... Difficult for them, I know, to look at that. So I'm thinking about my struggles and my difficulties, and I'm thinking, okay, you got some difficulties, but what about him? What about the brothers in here that are dealing with issues like Raj? You know, you have the court system that he's fighting for his child, and he has, you know, an ex-spouse that is basically playing all kind of games, playing the system. And the system says we care, but the system doesn't really care Unless God is in the system, if the person is being led by the spirit of God, they care. But if they're not, they, they, they can't care. They don't have the spirit of God influencing them. And you have other people in here dealing with major health issues, major issues, not little things, but major issues, big things. We're dealing with right now. I believe that Christians are dealing with big stuff, not little stuff. If you look at your lives, people going to work like um, Sam was telling me he's going to work today because he's going to be overwhelmed tomorrow. That's big stuff. I don't want to work my day off. Do you? Saturday, Sunday, you want to be off. Big stuff. He's got to go in. he got to work more hours. All of us have stuff. And it's not just normal stuff. I think right now we're dealing with big stuff. Big stuff. Huge stuff. Great challenges. And God says, I have a recipe for you to deal with those challenges. You can do what the world does. You can say, let me get some more of I, some more of me, some more self. And you'll be able to deal with that. But you know what? The recipe ends up. You eat that recipe. And you know what happens? You get a heart. You get heartache. You're sitting in the bathroom for hours and hours and hours after it. The world's recipe doesn't work. It might look like it works. But down the road, there's a heartache. There's heart problems. There's difficulties. So that's where we are today. So encouragement. I was encouraged. I actually tried this message out on a guy at work. He was the He's a Christian, doesn't go to our church, but he's a, he's a Christian. He loves the Lord. He loves Jesus, and I know it. He's talked to me over the last eight years, and I walked up to him last week, and I said, how are you doing? He says, brother, I'm struggling. He said that um, he doesn't know how he's going to make it. He said, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Business is really terrible. He believes God can supply his needs, but. He believes you believe, right? Got some comply, can supply your needs. But there's a but when we're, you know, eh, there's a but he knows. God knows his situation, but he's not feeling comfortable. He knows. God knows his situation, but there's a little shiver. So I shared the message, this message, and he seemed encouraged, so. I figured it worked. So now you get it. (laughs) But let's go to chapter 20, verse two. It says some men came to and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the sea, it's already in Hazan, Tamar and El-Gadai. Alarmed, Josaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Listen to this great thing. He didn't only come to the Lord. He says, okay, a vast army is coming. And previous chapters mentions he has over a million people in his army. You go back to, I think, chapter 18 or 17, it mentions how many people he has in his army. So they mean, when they say vast, if I have a million people in my army... And you say you have a vast army coming to attack me and I'm shaking in my boots. You can believe that that army must be much bigger than mine because I'm thinking I got the army. I got a million plus. You better come at me with something big. Or I'm not going to be shaking. He was shaking, obviously, with something really big, huge army. But notice what it says is that he was alarmed, but he resolved to do one thing to do what? He resolved to take it to the Lord. Afraid. Shaking in his boots. He came to the throne room. He walked in and said, Where's my God? I don't have the power. I'm in trouble. I'm lost. I need help. And where's the help going to come from? It's only you. Because this army's too vast. The situation's too big. I can't imagine. But it wasn't just him. It said that. The people also came together to seek. Why do you think they came together, the people too? Because usually the leaders like, I'm going in and, you know, I'm going to seek the Lord. And he's kind of got it together. But the people said, we're going too. I think he had a, he just had, was a good example. And if you read first verses before that, it says that he actually went out and taught the people the word of God. This was a man of God. And he taught the people the man of God. He taught them to depend upon God, not upon themselves, not upon the recipe of this world, but on God. So they came too, And what did they come for? Counsel. They said they came to find out what the recipe was to have victory because we're in trouble. What do we do? Don't we need to do that, too? Everybody in here is fighting because I'm fighting. You're fighting. We're, We're in the same boat. The world is just throwing challenges, difficulties, unbelievable challenges, unbelievable, just boot shattering. I mean, it just, they, they crippled us sometimes. I mean, we're crawling around wondering, whoa, God, what's going on? He says, come to the throne room. Come ask me. Come talk to me. Get counsel. Oh, I don't want to get counsel. What do you mean get counsel? Well, I got counsel already. Well, where would you get your counsel? Well, you know, I thought about it. I have a good friend. He's a neighbor. He lives right next door. You know, he knows stuff. He doesn't know the Lord. But he knows stuff. He's been around the block a few times. This man didn't go to the neighbor. He went where? He went to the Lord. What is God asking us to do? Take it to Him. I got an issue, Lord. Let me take it to you. You know, I thought about this a little bit. And I was thinking, you know, why did he take it to the Lord? Actually, I want to read something to you because it's um, it's good. It's in verse six, because we're going to move quick because we need to move because it's a long chapter and we're going to have some fun. But why did he come to the Lord? Listen to this. Verse six says our O Lord. God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? Okay. Are you not the God who is in heaven? There's one God. He's saying you're the one that's in heaven. You're the one. You rule over all kingdoms and nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. No one. And he talks about what he did, but he says no one can withstand you. Why did he come to the Lord? First reason. He said, because you have all power and might in your hand. When we go to God, we have to know that. The only reason I'm going to the throne throne room, the only reason I'm going to seek his counsel, to seek his direction, is obviously I think he has direction and he has power to solve my problem. And you know, we talked about the whole thing, trusting Jesus, that is all. You know, all of these things that I'm mentioning today, COP, each one is based on trust. You get counsel because what? Because I trust the counsel. I am not going to go to a five-year-old and ask counsel about how to get to New York. Does that even make sense? Let me go to my daughter and say, you know, can you help me figure out how I should discipline you? Because you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, and I'm listening to, and you know, I can't figure it out. What should I do? Just say, well, daddy, give me more or some stuff. You know, take me to the store. Buy me anything I want. You know, give me everything I want. And I tell you, I will be obedient. Okay, let me listen to that counsel. That's counsel of a child. Why did he go to God? Because God has the power. He had the knowledge. He had proven himself in the past. So he went. Second reason. Verse nine. It says, this is what they said. If calamity comes upon us, whether by sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in your in our distress. And you will what you will hear us and save us. Why did he come? Because he says, I'm not coming to a God who doesn't care. I know you have all power, but it's not just power that you have. Guess what? You care. You care. God cares. Isn't that beautiful? That our God looks upon us and sees all our frailties, everything. He sees every little thing in us, every flaw. He sees our doubts, our fears, and he still cares. He sees our sins, and he cares. He sees the fact that we're not faithful at times, and he still cares. He sees we're lost, and he doesn't just look at us and say, well, shame on you. You shouldn't have taken that turn. You took the wrong turn. No, he says, no, I care. He says, you call out to me. This is the God they, they went to. This is why he went to this God. He says, because I know he cares. He has all power. He can destroy the harmony. But not just that. He's a caring, loving God. That's why he came to him. And we don't we need men and women like that in churches, in schools, everywhere. Who know that God and come to that God and get counsel because he cares. Jehoshaphat. What a man of God. I was thinking about Moses. Moses. When Moses came to the Lord and the Lord said, take off your shoes. Because you're what on holy ground. I think God says that, too. When you come to the throne, take off what? Your sins. Confess them. Take off your doubts and fears, too. Don't just come into the throne room doubting. You don't need to. So take them off. But let's move. Because we need to, we need to move quick. Let's go to ch- verse 12. This is where it kind of puts it in perspective. It says that in verse 12, it says that, "O our God, will you not judge them? We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Two things in that verse. We have no power. You have power? I have no power. When we get to a point we realize we have no power, guess what? We now have power. When we get to a point we realize we have no strength, do you know at that moment we have strength? God's strength. Christ's strength. But it's like we have to get to that point where we realize we don't have any power. He got to that point. He says that we have No power to face this vast enemy. Do we know that? We have no power to face this enemy that we face every day. We don't have the power. It's only by God's power that we can even move. The world doesn't have a clue. They think that they have intelligence. Do you know no intelligence would even exist if it wasn't given by God? That he gives us this the life. Every second of the way, every beat that you have, he's given us that. That's from him. He says, you have not even a heartbeat unless I give it to you. This man and these people realized that. They had no power. And then he says, he speaks. Because as we mentioned about the council, the first part of this, this, um, this verse is talking about him going to the Lord. But he didn't go to the Lord and the Lord didn't say anything. What happened? It says that God spoke. The man of God spoke. In verse fourteen it says, Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Beniah, and son of Jel. Je- and it says that they stood in the assembly, says that he said, Listen, King Jehovah. Now he's given direction. He said, Okay, you came to me. You came to me, right? But I'm not just going to leave you hanging. You sought counsel from who? The King of Kings and Lord of lords. Now, let me give you my counsel. And he tells them, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. And he's out, telling, telling that, us that today. Don't be afraid of this problem. Don't be afraid. Look up. Don't be afraid. For the battle is not yours, but God's. He says it's my battle. This is my fight. My fight. You have a million soldiers, but guess what? This is my fight. Put your arms down. I'm fighting this fight. You don't have to do anything. It says that for the battle is not yours, it's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up from the pass of Zen, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. You have your arms on, you have your weapons, but you're not going to fight this battle. I'm fighting the battle. I'm God. I have all power and I care. And I love you. You don't have to lift up a hand. You don't have to do anything. He said, you don't have to do a thing. Take up your positions and stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord that the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow for the Lord will be with you. He told them, don't lift a hand. Just stand. You will not fight. Do you know that there's many times that he's actually called them to fight? It's not. There's many times where the man of God went to the Lord and sought his counsel. And he says, go out and you'll defeat the enemy. Just go out. And what will happen? Just take up your your positions and stand firm and sometimes he just tells us just sit back don't do anything you don't have to do a thing just sit tight and what did they do what did they do said they obeyed they sat tight they didn't get their arms and start sharpening the swords saying no we want to fight We're prepared. We want to participate in this. God says, no, sit still. You sit back. Wait. I'm fighting the fight. It's my battle. If you read verse 18 and 20, 18 and 20 says, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. And this is what he did after the Lord gave him direction. He bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem and fell down to worship God. What did he do? God gave him instructions, gave him directions. And he, say, he didn't say to God, well, that doesn't sound right to me. I don't really like your instructions. They don't sound like they make sense to me, Lord. Uh, excuse me, Lord, but, you know, I beg your pardon. I don't see it that way. I think I should do this and that and this. Lord says, no, sit still. Do this. No, 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 Lord. That doesn't make sense to me, though. It doesn't have to make sense. Isn't that the beauty of following our God? It doesn't have to make sense. In the world, it has to make sense. It has to fit our brain, our intelligence. God says, no, it doesn't have to make sense. If you read in Samuel 23, 2 and 5, it um, we'll read that really fast. It was um, 1 Samuel 23. Excuse me. You don't have to really go there. Just, just relax. Let me read it to you. see it said that um the lord answered him and said go attack the philistine, philistines and save keilah but david's men said to him here in judah we are afraid how much more than if we go to keilah against the philistine forces what what do you, what, what do you mean guys God gave David instructions and his men said, no, that doesn't make sense to us. So what did David do? He's a man of God. It says that once again David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him. Go down to Keilah for I am going to give you the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines and carried off the livestock. He won. But did the Lord's instructions change? He came to the Lord, got counsel. God said, go go and fight. And His men said, well, no, but that doesn't make sense. We don't want to go. Do we say that sometimes? Well, I don't, that doesn't make sense, Lord. I don't want to do that. It doesn't make sense. So we go back to the Lord, and the Lord says the same thing. He says, I'm promising you victory. Just go and do what I ask you to do. And he did that. Thank God he went back to the Lord instead of doing what he thought. And the, the same thing happened. The Lord gave the same counsel, and then he had victory. That's what God wants us to do. He says that it's not just important to seek counsel. But when I give you counsel, obey it. Amen. Obey it with the right heart, too. Obey it with no questioning. Obey it because you trust me and you love me. And think about Jonah. What did the God say to Jonah? Well, can you go to Nineveh and save these people? Oh, right. What do you mean? I don't want to save those people. So where did he go? He fled to Tarshish. And then it says the Lord came to him again in chapter 3, two chapters later, you know, after he went to the belly of a whale for three days and hung out in the dark. I hung out in the dark for a while, and the Lord says, let me kind of light you up a little bit. Let me let you understand something, that I'm giving you directions, and you need to understand they're real. So he hangs out there for three days and cries out to the Lord, okay, I'm ready now. And then the Lord gives him the same directions. didn't change. Same directions, same counsel. Go to Nineveh and preach. And I think he does that with us. He just keeps saying, I'm giving you the same instructions. Go out in the world and just serve me. Love me. Be, be, be worthy. Live worthy lives of the gospel. Same instructions. It's no different. It's the same thing. Every week, sometimes we come in and we get the same old message. We wonder, what's going on with this message? It's always the same message. Obey counsel. Read your Bible. Get on your knees and pray. And do my will and keep sin out of your life. Same old counsel. It's the same old thing. God says, well, you know, I'm going to repeat the same old thing because it's the recipe for success as a Christian. It's the same recipe. This man of God and his people, they just followed the recipe and it ended with victory. Just with our lives, we can have victory, but we have to obey the counsel. And that's what they did. But what was the flavor of the obedience? That's what blessed me. He bowed down. He said, I'm not going to just obey. But I'm going to worship. He was down on his knees, worshiping and loving our God. And that's what he did. It says early in the morning. They left for the desert. This is verse 20. And they set out as they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and all of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and see he will be up and you will see. And you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Have faith in his prophets? What do you mean? In his counsel. After consoling the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. This is what they did. The recipe. They worshiped him like we had worship this morning. Worship is just saying, God, thank you. Wait a minute. How could you say thank you and, and you know, what are you thanking me for? What do you think? I didn't, you don't have victory yet. What's the thanks for? Because we trust him. How can you thank him before the victory? Does it even make sense to have peace before victory? How could you really have peace before you see the outcome? The scriptures say the peace that surpasses all human understanding. It does not make sense. The peace comes from trust. It's just trust. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. And what did he do for them? What did he do? And you know, one thing I liked about this, and I'll just touch it for one second. It says early in the morning, they left for they left and and followed the Lord's directions because the Lord told him to go somewhere. And the next morning, not the next afternoon. The next morning, he couldn't wait to get up and go and do what the Lord told him to do. And guess what he was doing? He was getting ready to go with maybe some outfits on to praise God. Maybe they had their little instruments. And they're playing instruments, walking out like a band. Going down to this place where the Lord sent them, and the enemy's there. But they're playing instruments. And worshiping God and singing, and maybe they're doing this, you know. and They might even be doing that. I don't know. Whatever they're doing, but they're praising God. But they're not praising him after the victory. They're doing everything and loving the Lord and walking down, playing the flutes and you know whatever other instruments they're playing, blowing the horns, praising and worshiping God because they anticipated the victory. Because they trusted God would give them victory. And what happened? They went there, looked over the hill and all they saw were dead bodies. The whole army fought each other and killed each other. Why? Because God did it. God said, I, I'm in charge. I have the power. And it says that In verse 22, and as they began to sing and praise the Lord, and praise the Lord, and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon. As they were starting to sing and love God, oh, we love you, Lord. Right then, God says, okay, victory, it's time. You're singing, I'm doing my job. I'm fighting the enemy. You don't have to do anything, just praise me. Right when you start praising at your highest level, the Lord says, here's the victory. Guess what? The army's destroyed. I destroyed them. I made them destroy each other. They're fighting each other like idiots. Why? Because I have all power. I can do that. I told you to do one thing. Sit tight. Let me fight. Don't do anything. And what did he give them? It says that they went there when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army. They only saw dead bodies. And it says, Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder. Listen to this. And they found among them a great amount of equipment, clothing, and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it. Three days. On the fourth day, what did they do? Okay, we got all this stuff now. Let's go play. God's given us victory, and he's given us all these great things. The enemy's gone. We have peace. Now let's take some of this fun stuff and, 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 and enjoy it. They didn't do that. They took the plunder, probably put it away. And it says that, what did they do? On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barak, which I guess from what I heard is called the Valley of Blessing. And they, there they praised the Lord. They didn't just say, okay, now we have all this stuff. Let us enjoy it. They said, no, we know the source of this stuff. Let's go praise our God. They already were praising him before the victory. I believe this praise now was different praise. It's different kind of praise now. It's higher praise. You see the victory now. You're looking back now and see the history. You see the destruction. You see what God did. The praise was different. It It was elevated. It was big. It was huge. Unbelievable. And that's what happened. That's the story. That's the recipe. C O P. Counsel. Obedience. Praise. When? All the time. I'm seeking your counsel all the time. I'm obeying you all the time. I'm praising you all the time. We have to leave. This is a good story. It talks about God. It talks about our God, when we serve, is able to deliver us. And some of you already picked up what this story is about. It's in Daniel. But if not, let us, let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods. Shadrach, Meshach, you know. What a story. Three young men who refused to treat their king as God ended up walking around the furnace. The furnace was so hot that the that The committee in charge of the incineration died from the heat. But these three young champions, which basically said, if you don't, we're not going to worship your God, king. We're only going to worship our God. And that's what God wants us. He wants us to just say, I don't care. We're worshiping you no matter what. No matter what, we're praising you. No matter what, we're obedient to you. No matter what, we're going to seek counsel from you. No matter what. This is what they did. It says, many stories of heroes, heroes. don't a uh, What is it? Heroism. Yeah, thank you. Don't end that way. A missionary is captured by bandits and in spite of the many prayers, he is murdered. Right. He's praying, but he's murdered. A guy was defied the Nazis in the name of God, but a few days before the war ends, he's ex- executed. Why wasn't God in the furnace then? The story story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego could have ended in violent deaths. Those three young men knew that, for they said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, and I think this is really key for us as Christians, but if not, let it be known, O King, that we do not serve other gods. This is critical, because I don't want people to think this is a formula, it's a recipe, and all of a sudden, we're going to end up having what we want. It says, we may not be in the furnace, we may be in an uncomfortable or be in an uncomfortable situation, even a desperate spot. We aren't delivered out of the hot spot sometimes. Is God still God to us? Or do we feel cheated because He hasn't come through as we wanted? This story pushes me," the writer says, Am I willing to serve God even if I get no payoff? Will I say the God whom I serve is able to deliver me, but if not, I refuse to serve other gods? And I'll leave you with that, because this is a message of encouragement. But it's not a message for us to think that God's going to come through the way we think he's going to come through. He might not come through to the last hour. He might just give us the blessing in heaven. But we're still called to do one thing. We're called to seek his counsel. We're called to obey him. And we're called to praise him. Irrelevant of the results. And we will have a successful Christian life. God will be blessed. God will be encouraged. God will be glorified. It's not about us. It's about him. The recipe for the world, it's about us. It's about I, me, self. The recipe for the Christian, it's about him. This is a story where God gets the glory and they share in it. We can share in that glory as well. We just must be faithful. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much that you are a God that's the same yesterday, today, and you will be the same forever and ever and ever, and we wouldn't want to have it any differently. What a God you are. You're a God that has all power. You're a God that loves his children. But you're a God that wants to give us your direction. You want to give us your peace, Lord. You want to give us all the riches that you have for us. But we have to do our part, Lord. And we pray that we're encouraged today, Lord, to just seek you, to follow you, and to praise you this morning. And not just today, tomorrow, the next day. But until we see you in paradise, Lord, so that we can walk through those gates of paradise, standing up, singing loud, and totally, totally blessed and encouraged. And encouraging others for the walk that we lived. We thank you, Lord, that we've had this time to worship you. And we pray that this worship to you and this praise to you is glorious in your sight. And we love you and ask that you would go with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.